Hello, this is Coach Aaron Saft on the Running is Life podcast. And today, I figured since it's the beginning of the year and we're trying to, to do good things this year, as we always do, uh, we should go over some things to avoid in your training. Uh, you know, some pitfalls, if you will, or mistakes that we make in our training. Um, you know, I, I've kind of created this podcast to share information, share ideas, um, share visions of others. Uh, so, you know, with that in mind, it's never been about how many people subscribe, how many people download this. It's it's for you, you the listeners, because no matter if I have you know, two <laughs> downloads or a thousand downloads. If I'm getting to someone's ears and I'm helping them in their training, then I'm doing what I set out to do. And so I want to continue to put information out there, um, you know, based on research, based on, you know, things that I've learned through my own mistakes, uh, things that I've learned through coaching, you know, just put things out there that, um, well, hopefully have you have a better result in, in the end. Okay. So, uh, with that said, I came up with, uh, looks like about 11 items. You know, I was just kind of going through in my head and I reflected on this for a while and kind of added to the list over time and, um, came up with these 11. So again, I hope they help. If it brings up questions, you know, I love, to hear more from you and to hear about your questions and, to, uh, you know, try to understand these principles of training and what's going to make you the better athlete. So please don't hesitate, reach out. And especially if I can go deeper in depth on these topics on a podcast, I'd love to. So, um, you know, please, like I said, reach out, happy to help. Um, so these are in no particular order. Uh, there's no vitalness uh, or more importance to any of these. Uh, I will expound upon them the best I can. And again, you know, if I need to, to go deeper, just say the word. So number one, not enough variation in training or no intention of the training. So when we talk about training and we're stuck in this one gear, right, This whether it's by heart rate or perceived effort, um, you know, when there's no variation, we tend to stagnate, get stale. Um, you know, of course, there's the argument that if you stayed in zone two, you would just continue to improve, um, which, you know, you can do. And that takes a very patient person to do zone two all the time and, and have the patience to, to work through that. But, um, you know, that said, uh, if we're not doing things to change up our training and train our different systems, we're not training to our fullest capacity or allowing ourselves to have the fullest potential um, on race day. And so what kind of variation do we create? Uh, well, that can be, um, you know, variation being your your regular runs done at a perceived conversational pace, a zone three pace, however you measure your run then, uh, you know, you want to make sure that you have some runs that are easier and some runs that are harder. And what are the intentions of those harder runs? It can be strides, doing hill repeats, short strides, flat strides. It can be um, tempo workouts, working lactate threshold. Um, it can be uh, peak VO2 workouts where you're going exceedingly hard, um, doing hill repeats of a longer extent. And I think, uh, you know, from what I understand, to get the maximum benefit of a peak VO2 workout, the intervals need to be about 
two minutes in length um, in order to sustain enough um, of the effort in order for it to have the efficacy of improving your uh, your max VO2 or your peak VO2. So um, creating that variation in training uh, and setting an intention. What's the intention of the training? What are you trying to do? Uh, you know, I set up mine in blocks where we work on specific systems. Uh, you may do, uh, you know, various things in a cycle, but what is your intention of that workout? Do you understand what the intention of that workout is? A lot of times people go to track Tuesday and, uh, you know, they just, it can be a social thing. I totally get that. That's fun, right? But if we're looking for improvement, what's the intention of the workout? What is it really looking to work out and improve you upon? So, you know, understand the intentions of the workout, understand what it's trying to accomplish. Where is it taking you? What improvements is it trying to make? How long should you try to make that improvement, right? So if we're setting a, a, a block of training aside just for lactate threshold, right? So uh, that block you know, there's a specific amount of time where it, the body says, okay, I've made that adaptation. It's time for something new. So you have to be able to look for the signals, right? That, oh, this, you know, this block is, is pretty much over. I can't really get much out of my system. Doesn't mean you can't return to that system at a latter time. The body just needs a new stimulus. And that may be, you know, changing to peak VO2 and doing peak VO2 intervals, so, you know, switch up your training every now and again, cycle it through. Again, the body typically, it likes about four to six week cycles. It, it tends to stagnate in a specific uh, workout uh, if you're doing that repeatedly after about six weeks. So that's a, you know, that's a good block of training. You know, the, the sweet spot could be five, you know, cause we say between four and six weeks, you could get five weeks in a block. Um, and remember, you know, if you're training for something, specificity for that event comes at the end. So the, the work, the intention of that work, right, it should be the most similar closest to the race. So if you're racing a 5K, for instance, if you were doing, uh, you know, a 5K as your goal race, you would want peak VO2 and your speed training closest to the 5K because that's most specific to the 5K. Um, conversely, if you were doing a hundred miler, you would want peak VO2 work if you did it at the beginning after your base training, right? So you do your base training and then you do something with perhaps some peak VO2 work after some fartlek work. But anyway, it would be furthest away from race day. In other words, you would want more of your high mileage, right? Because you're working the aerobic system and that's the, the, the biggest thing. And, um, the, you know, the most bang for your buck closest to a hundred miler, right? We don't want to be fatigued out by peak VO2 work closer to race day for a hundred miler. We, you know, we don't want the propensity for injury because that's when we want our mileage to be high. We can't do, you know, high quantity of miles or time on feet and intensity. And that's something we'll else we'll talk about as well. So, um, so think about that, you know, make sure that you are doing the most similar work, um, that represents or resembles the race closest to the race. Okay. So set your intention of your training. Um, too much specificity too soon. That, that, you know, that's number two. Okay. So number two, uh, too much specificity too soon. And that's kind of goes back to ties into what I was just talking about. Um, a lot of times people are training for uh, a mountainous race, where, you know, in the base phase, they're already doing tons of vert, 
Okay, we need to build the base. The base, right? The base training. Um, it needs to come first. We need to lay that foundation. We need to build up our cardiovascular system. That needs to grow first before we can do all of this vert training, right? Everybody wants to get in the vert. How much vert did you get this week? Yeah, it's, a, it's, you know, again, if you're training for a mountain race, that comes later in the training. Let yourself build that foundation because what's happening when you are doing vert training? Typically, the effort is really hard, right? When you're climbing, if you're climbing for a long period of time, steep grades, you're going to be using a lot of energy. You're going into and taxing your system. Again, based on RPE or heart rate, it's typically higher on a climb. And that's not where we want to be, for the most part, in a base training phase. We want everything to be very low and aerobic so that we build up that that foundation. Again, that cardiovascular foundation. So, don't do too much too early, okay? It's the same principle for uh, marathon training. We don't want to do a ton of mileage, um, a ton of speed, a ton of marathon-specific pacing. We don't do that at the beginning. So don't do it for ultra either, right? Uh, let yourself grow, get stronger, okay? Then at when we're kind of in that max volume phase. And, and again, if I was training for ultra, what I consider that is about nine weeks to about three weeks out is your max volume phase. Within there, that is your specificity. That is where you want to do your vert, okay? Or whatever it is that you're training for, right? Uh, the high mileage, uh, the heat training, you know, all of these acclimatizations that we want, that's the phase in which you want to replicate the course, the race, the best you can. Okay, so um, be real careful with what you're doing. If now is your base period, okay, and you can, you know, you can probably see me on Strava right now. I've been very intentional about doing a lot of zone two work. I am trying to lay the foundation down for the rest of the year. I know this is going to be, you know, tough. I've got Hellbender. I've got High Lonesome. I want the aerobic capacity to be able to get through High Lonesome and feel comfortable. So I'm laying that foundation now. I am growing my aerobic system, my cardiovascular system. I'm strengthening everything so that I can be stronger later on in the season. Okay, so make sure you have the base for that. Um, number three, not enough planned recovery in training and after racing season. Okay, so here it's tough. Uh, you know, I've I've kind of learned that a lot of people they they see a plan. It has them go three weeks up, one week down. We talked about this in the past. Um, that doesn't come from anything scientific. Uh, you know, we've talked about the, where it came from in the past. I don't want to kind of get into that right now. But needless to say, three weeks up and one week down is kind of a lazy way of training. <laughs> um, listen to your body. If it is tired, take a down week, right? If your paces are slowing down, take a down week, right? You don't want your paces to diminish. If they're starting to get slower and it's you know more consistently slower, things are going the wrong way. Okay, we don't want paces to slow down. Um, you know, we want p paces to continually get quicker and faster. Now, in max volume phase, they may stagnate a bit, but we don't want them to change dramatically, right? There is some level of fatigue that's going to be happening in your max volume phase or your integration phase, if you will, in a marathon. But um, 
that said, you know, be real careful, be real careful with, um, uh, you know, who, um, or what recovery time you're allowing yourself. Right. So, um, it may be, you know, um, after four weeks in a phase, you may, you know, that fifth week, maybe just be a recovery phase before you start up, uh, the next phase or the next block of your training. So, um, you know, just be attuned to your body, right? Because it does need downtime every now and again. And especially after a race, you know, whether it's a in-season race or the end of your season race, you do need to recover from it. So don't just say, I need to get back to training, you know, allow that body to recover, allow for that super compensation effect. And what that is, is that the body actually gets stronger, it gets better, it makes bigger adaptations in the recovery phase. So when you have a hard workout, the next day should be a recovery day, because that's when your adaptations are going to happen. That's when your body absorbs the stimulus that you provided it. So allow for the recovery because, again, that's where you're going to grow. That's where you're going to get faster. That's where you're going to get better, right? And sleep plays an important factor in that as well. And we'll talk about all those ancillary pieces in, in just a moment. But plan your recovery carefully. Like allow for time uh, to, you know, to absorb your fitness, right? So after you do a marathon, allow for time to come down from the marathon. Allow your body to recover, from everything it just went through, right? Especially ultra. Allow that body the time to recover from an ultra. We don't want to get injured. We don't want to force training. You may feel really good if you come back at, you know, too soon. You say, oh, man, I feel really good. That's because your body was making the adaptations from that race, right? But then quickly it dissipates and it gets really stagnant because you didn't recover enough. You didn't allow the body long enough to recover from that effort. So typically you'll get kind of, uh, you know, a, a bell-shaped curve, uh, you know, r- right after the race, you're going to feel the fitness that you gain from doing that race, but then it quickly dissipates because you didn't allow the body long enough to actually absorb that stimulus. So be real careful, extend your rest enough so that it absorbs that fitness and then you start growing back and you're actually fitter than you were previous to the race. That's the super compensation effect. So allow for recovery, plan time for recovery, plan a down season, plan time off. Uh, most of you know, after the Grand Slam, I took an entire month off. That's healthy. <laughs> That's okay. That things that should happen. And don't plan anything in the build back. So when you're in your base phase, don't throw in a big race. You're just building back. I, that's, that's the toughest thing. I know we all want to race. We have the hugest fear of missing out. But don't throw anything into the base phase, especially a big race. It doesn't make sense to me, you know, when you're just growing back, you're maybe three, four weeks into training, and all of a sudden somebody wants to throw in a marathon or 50K. That's not the way to go, okay? Let yourself grow back. Let yourself build back healthily. That way, the focus is on your goal race. Don't do anything to deter or take away or potentially risk injuring or creating too much fatigue that it takes away from the goal itself, okay? Keep your eyes on the prize, if that truly is the prize, okay? If you want to do that race at another time, plan for it, okay? Plan for that the next time. Look at where your goal race is and say, you know, do I have enough time to recover and build back to be able to do this race? Be intelligent about that. Okay, enough on that. (laughs) Number four, increasing volume and intensity at the same time. 
we talked about this earlier. This is a good way to get uh, fatigued and potentially injured. Okay, I listened to a podcast recently in which a very good runner had you know talked about how intense the you know this person was training and how much fatigue it was creating and how this person still ran through it and tried to race a goal race. You can't do a ton of quality sessions, intense sessions, while increasing your volume. The body just doesn't have enough capacity and energy to withstand doing high volume and high intensity at the same time. It just creates too much fatigue. Okay. Some, you know, some of the elites may be able to get away with it, but you know, for us, our intents and purposes, the average person, we do not want to do a ton of high intensity and high volume. And by high volume, I mean a lot of time on feet or high mileage, whichever way you're measuring it. That's not the combination that we want. Stay away from that. Reduce volume when you're doing high intensity. Let your body recover. It just goes back to what I was just saying. It's all about the recovery. Okay. Now, what happens is as we do intensity, obviously we're creating fatigue, but if we're trying to incorporate high volume on top of that, that also increases fatigue. And at a certain point, again, because of too much fatigue, we either A, slow down or B, get injured right? What happens with injury is that the, the body starts getting tired. We start exacerbating, um, you know, a small little hit, you know, a uh, hinge or uh, a, a crook in our, our gait that, you know, over time, because of how repetitive running is, we're not running in the correct gait pattern and we end up getting injured. So be real careful, with how much fatigue you're creating, especially when you're in high-intensity interval sessions, okay? Um, if you're, you know, the there's a time and a place for mileage, but we don't want to do a lot of high mileage and a lot of high-intensity workouts. I can't repeat that enough, okay? Be real careful with your recovery process, okay? Keep the volume lower during that time. All right. Number five, not taking care of the ancillary training. Here's where we get back to sleep, okay? Um, so this may include a lack of hydration, a lack of sleep, and proper nutrition, okay? Um, those are the big things. If you are looking for a silver bullet, they come in the form of sleep, hydration, and nutrition. And by nutrition, the here... I, you know, I am not the one to provide advice for nutrition as evidenced by my conversation with Meredith Terranova. That is why I sought out Meredith is to help me get better at that piece. And I am getting better at hydration on a daily basis. That has been a focus of mine. Sleep, eh, I, you know, I do still need to do better at sleep. I wish I had more time in the day. <laughs> this morning I was up at 4 a.m. to get my run in. I just knew I had an extremely busy day, a lot to do. I needed, I wanted to get in a two-hour run. So, um, you know, it's this morning. It's, uh, what is it, February 18th. It was uh, 10 degrees out. I knew, you know, it wasn't a good situation to go out in the dark and cold. So I just jumped down on my treadmill. Um, you know, it's thankfully for that device. Um, I, you know, I, I've been leaning on it a lot recently because of time restraints, because of weather, 
Um, you know, it's not the best, obviously, for my training, for my purposes, but it's what I got at the moment. So I choose it, you know, and I have to sacrifice sleep sometimes. I wish I didn't have to. Um, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's great to be busy. I'm happy that I have, you know, the, uh, the opportunities that I do have, but that's what it is right now. You know, I, I want to get my training in. I want to get my work done. I want to see my kids, my wife, my family. Um, you know, I want to keep coaching. I want to keep coaching the high schoolers. So with all of that, you know, I, I, I just, that's the time of day I have to get up and get going. Um, now, you know, I'm going to do a better job of trying to get to bed at night. Um, I've, you know, I've really kind of cracked down on nutrition um, really trying to engage in the things that Meredith suggested. My wife is trying to be very, you know, diligent and vigilant at the same time in making sure that I'm doing the right things um, to help me uh, to make sure that my nutrition is on point. And I, I'm trying to keep, you know, fluids going in me constantly, uh, not constantly, but uh, at a, you know, at a better rate than what I was doing previously. So those are the three things. You know, I'm I'm not looking. Um, you know, and I can't tell you how many podcasts recently there's both sides of the tail. Oh, you should be taking this supplement. No, you shouldn't be taking any supplements. Make your own decision, right? If you want to spend money on something and it's working for you, that's wonderful, right? Um, don't be influenced. Okay. That's, I think a lot of times we're just influenced by podcasts, which is really hard, but you also have to consider where is the guest coming from? You know, what, what is their, um, their position, you know, are they a part of this company? So be real careful with, uh, you know, with with what you're hearing and what you're buying, um, because uh, you know, uh, a lot of the supplements, unfortunately, they just don't do much for us, right? If we're taking care of our nutrition and our hydration and our sleep, that's where the magic happens. Okay, so take care of those ancillary items. You know, um, sometimes ancillary items, uh, you know, include. Are you strength training, right? I think strength training is a good component for for many runners for many different reasons. So strength training is a great thing to consider and talk to somebody about. Um, when it gets to stretching, foam rolling, yoga, you know, I, everything that I'm hearing and, and reading right now is, you know, it's if you, you know, if you have time for something, run more. <laughs> You know, I would say that's better than doing foam rolling, yoga, and stretching at the moment. Okay, um, and that's just what I've been reading. Now, there's people that are you know very devoted to those things, and that's great. You know, I'm just saying, if you want to improve your running, just run a little bit more rather than doing those things. That will help your running more so than. Um, than going through those. And again, using and applying the principles that I've already talked about here so that you're recovering enough, you're, you know, you're not creating too much fatigue. So be careful. But take care of the ancillary items. Uh, number six, racing too often. <laughs> um, this goes back to fear of missing out. Uh, I think most of us, if not all of us, have been guilty of this at some point. It took me a long time to get over FOMO, especially after COVID. Uh, you know, in in um, in 2022, I raced once. Um, I did the Bigfoot one, uh, 200. That was the only race I did in 2022. Um, 2023, obviously, I raced five times. I raced a 50 miler. 
um, as a qualifier for Vermont. Unfortunately, Vermont didn't happen, and I raced the Grand Slam, which was a big year, obviously. This year, I've kind of been more intentional and focused on my build to Hellbender and then getting into um, High Lonesome. I don't know what the fall will look like. I definitely will need a break after High Lonesome, so that will be a consideration after High Lonesome. But So be intentional with your racing. You know, like, does it make sense for your build? Again, does it detract from your goal? If Is it helping you get to your goal? Is it similar to your goal race? You know, if, if you're doing a, um, a road marathon and you want to do a mountainous trail 50K in the middle, does that really make sense? Is that really the right time in your build to do so? Take these things in consideration, right? Especially if you have a big goal for the road marathon, like a Boston qualifier, okay? Don't take away from your goal by doing too much racing or racing that makes no sense in the build, okay? I've talked about that a number of times, and I've mentioned it a few times in this podcast, so be real careful with that. Number seven, can't devote enough time to training. If your goal is a big ultra, 100 miler, a 200 miler, more, make sure you have the time to devote to your training, right? If you are a working person and you have to devote 60 plus hours of your time to work and you have a family and you want to be committed to your family, do you really have the time to train, to get in the long runs, the extra hikes, all of that you know, work that it's going to take, the body of work that it takes to get there, can you commit to that? Are you going to be okay with that? Like, and again, you know, are you okay with doing what I did, getting up at 4 a.m. to get your workout done before everybody gets up? That's what sometimes it takes, right? I mean, that's what you have to consider and be okay with. Um, it's, it's hard. It's not easy. You know, I mean, I got to go through the entire day now having, you know, a a two hour run on me and very, you know, I think I had got about four and a half, five hours sleep last night because I was working. So it's, but that's what it is. I'm not complaining. Honestly, I'm just trying to say sometimes that's what it takes. And are you okay with doing that? You know, are you going to be able to do your job? It's, you know, it's tough to sit down at a computer, uh, for a few hours on, you know, just, just to get things done. So, you know, consider these things before I know they look cool. I know they look great and and it's amazing. They're awesome experiences, but do you have the time to commit to, you know, training for this in order to get the finish? That's the hard part. Okay. So take that into heart when you're looking to sign up for something. It's, it's a really tough decision, but it's something that should be considered and you have to be honest with yourself. So please have that conversation with yourself and have it with your significant other. That's a great conversation to have with them. All right, number eight, trying to make up runs by stacking the volume into the next day or days. <laughs> um, so uh, what I tell my athletes is if you miss something, let's look at the priority of the run. Was it something important that we do need to make up or should we just let it go and just say, okay, it was an off day? Now it's always, you know, I always tell them something is better than nothing if you're not hurt. So, you know, if there was an hour run on the schedule and they got in 20, 30 minutes, they got something in. We don't need to make up that extra time somewhere else. If it was a workout, can we move it to another day? 
If it was a long run, is it possible to move it to another day? That's the considerations we need to make. Okay, not oh, I missed you know an hour today, so I'm going to do two hours tomorrow. I'll just throw an hour on my hour run tomorrow. No, <laughs> that's not what we want to do. Sure, it gives you the same volume at the end of the week, but you've also created too much fatigue by doubling a run that you know wasn't really planned in the beginning. So be real careful and again intentional with your training. Don't try to stack it or make up you know a run or add volume somewhere else. It's not necessary. Okay, a day off isn't going to hurt you. Okay, now if you're taking off. Multiple days, multiple times a week, and you do that consistently, yes, that can hurt you. And you, again, it has to go back to you have time for all of this. Or do we need to change up your training so that we're doing less days in the week and maybe some more volume on each of those days? So again, go back to your schedule. What does it allow and how can we get things in? There's some vital things that need to be placed into the schedule, but if you can't do it, then we got to figure out how it can be done or if it can be done. Okay. All right. Moving on. Number nine, being obsessed with the numbers. <laughs> and by numbers, I mean the volume, be it in time on feet or miles, heart rate, your pace, etc. instead of enjoying the process. This is a real tough one because our watches are, it just makes everything so readily available. Everything is in front of us. We can see everything, every piece of data. If you, you, know, if you scroll through your watch, you're going to get so much feedback. And you know, sometimes the feedback is good. If you're doing a workout or making sure that you're you know, staying easy enough so that you learn an effort, um, you know, the data can be good. But other times you just need to go for a run. If you're not in the right headspace, if you don't have the patience for what's coming out on your watch, just hide the watch, right? Forget about the watch. You know, maybe press start and throw it in a bag, throw it in a pocket and go for a run. Don't worry about the metrics. You know, just have fun. Uh, we get tied up in the numbers that pop up at the end of the week. And I think a lot of times that's mileage. You know, I've we've talked about this in the past, you know, yes, volume can make you a better athlete, but the volume comes from the time. When we look at metrics, okay, the body understands heart rate and what the heart is doing. It will improve based on where the heart rate is. It doesn't give us the heart rate statistic in miles. It gives us that statistic in time. Because the body understands the stress of the heart in time. So miles, you know, if it's part of the metric of time, that's fine. But don't get caught up in how many miles you're doing, okay? Get up and get caught up in how much time you're doing, right? That's why we we suggest time-based training because the body understands the stress of the time. And I've always said, if you go for a road run, it's going to be much faster than if you go for uh, a technical trail run. The paces are going to be completely different, but the stress may be the same for that duration of time. Okay, If you're trying to do a 10-mile run on the road versus a 10-mile run on the trail, those are two very different runs, and they're going to have different times. The road is going to have less time. The trail is going to have more time. Your body is going to be more stressed by the trail run because of how much time you spent on your feet, not how many miles you did, okay? That's why we look at it in time. 
You know, I know people say, well, I have to get ready for a, you know, a hundred mile event. Yes, you do. But that comes through the consistency of time over the span of time. So when you look at your training and you look at how many hours you're doing per week, that's the volume. That's where the body understands I have done enough work, right? I have established enough aerobic capacity and enough cardiovascular strength to do this event, okay? It's not looking at the miles, okay? It doesn't understand that. So think about those variables. And a lot of times it's just our ego, right? Our ego kind of gets in the way of this. So we have to put that aside, right? doesn't matter what Strava says, right? I, I, t- I spent a lot of time justifying myself on Strava, because I felt I needed to, you know, especially when I slowed down and, you know, through COVID started working on establishing uh, a better efficiency in zone two. And that was really hard. Uh, as most people know, zone two is extremely difficult. It's, you know, it's very slow at first and then it gradually builds as we develop the, you know, the mitochondria the capillaries, all of this to supply oxygen to our muscles and make us more efficient. So don't get caught up too much in the metrics, all right? If you're doing something specific like a workout or, again, you're trying to maintain a low heart rate, okay, but if it's driving you crazy, it's not worth it. We need to enjoy our sport. We need to, you know, find that balance between knowing what's going on so far as metrics go and having a great run and just enjoying the fact that you're out there, right? So don't feel you have to rely on the watch all the time or the metrics it's providing. I think that's the, you know, a lesson we all could work on, you know, and, and some people are okay with watching the heart rate, you know, doing time on feet. Um, once you start doing it, it changes your running, because you're not so worried about, oh, man, I got to squeeze this eight miler in. You say, oh, I got an hour run. Okay, I've got an hour here that I can run. And that's when I'm going to do it. So there's a lot of considerations there. And it could be a whole nother episode. So we're going to move on here. Number 10, running through an injury. My goodness. Um, again, we've probably all had uh know some experience with this where something was bothering us it was affecting our gait cycle and the injury just took forever to heal the reality is that once something starts to bother you once it starts to change your form it's really time to seek medical help right whoever that may be to you you know and there are some great great resources out there be it a sports orthopedic, uh, be it a physical therapist, uh, even starting with your primary care physician. You know, there are just people that can help you understand what's going on and a good path forward, right? Because sometimes you're going to heal faster by just allowing the injury to heal. And it's not to say that you can't do anything. It's not to say that you can't go out and exercise. It may just not be running for a period of time. So understand your options, understand what you can do and what's going to heal you the fastest. 
because running through it can make it worse and just extend the time that you're feeling pain and not running properly and you know with lessening your enjoyment so take care of those injuries allow them to heal okay seek help that's the big message get through it faster 10 uh excuse me 11 the last one not having the right resources resources to answer your questions this can go a lot of different directions from the injury of which i just spoke about to training or racing it comes down to having the right team around you you don't have to have a coach but you should have somebody you can speak to about your training and ask questions um you know be it a training partner um you know just having those ears and having those extra eyes and brains to go through and talk about things and talk through things having that physical therapist um or doctor that you can go to when things pop up um heck having a sports psychologist that can help you train the brain and make you stronger and go through things with you um you know having a massage therapist uh you know, all of these things having the right people on your team that will help build you up to having success at your event but make sure you have your team you know i mean have the right people around you uh, that's the big thing so that you can ask questions and get the proper answers so you know it's it's not uh, you know it's very hard to find that one stop shop right um, having a dietitian or nutritionist, those things are vital. And, you know, there's some great coaches out there that are physical therapists, coaches, and dietitians or nutritionists. That's incredible. Uh, I mean, those are almost your one-stop shop for everything. That's phenomenal. You know, hats off to those. Um, but a lot of times, you know, coaches like myself, we have to stay in our lane. Um, you know, an athlete asked me about an injury, my probably first recommendation is they should seek medical, you know, professional advice. Um, they ask me about something with their daily nutrition. How much protein should I be eating? How much carbohydrate should I be eating? Again, I'm going to defer and say, Hey, you know, I've got a great resource in this dietitian or this nutritionist. You should probably talk to them and find out. Okay. Um, so wish I could be that one-stop shop. You know, I, I try to build my knowledge the best I can, but again, I have to stay in my lane and defer to the professionals. That's what they went to school for. That's what they studied for. Uh, you know, they're there to to answer those questions. That's you know, and that's a hard thing because um, you know when I first started coaching, you know, I thought I knew so much, and I probably went out of my lane a few too many times, and I wasn't doing the best by the athlete. So make sure you have those right resources to answer those questions that you have so that you can stay healthy, so that you get the best out of your training and your running. That's the biggest thing. Okay. So that's everything. That's, you know, my 11 pitfalls, avoidances, please. Uh, you know, sometimes it's hard. I, I didn't mean to have uh, a <laughs> uh, wagging my finger. <laughs> uh, sometimes when I was talking, I kind of felt like I was, you know, wagging my finger. I don't mean to, uh, I just don't want everybody to make mistakes that are easily avoidable or can be avoided if you do the right things. So, 
um, if you don't have the proper team, if you don't have the proper answers, you know, that's a great conversation to start. There are some fantastic people out there and our community is wonderful to ask about. So reach out to people in your community, find out who, you know, who they suggest and start building that collaborative team so that you have the best, uh, opportunities. You have the best success on race day. That's the, that's the biggest thing. And that's all I want for you is to have a great time running to stay healthy and to be in it for the long haul because that's what this is all about and that's what this podcast is for so i thank you for listening my friends um you know it's it's wonderful to be able to do this week in and week out um you can tell last week if you listen to my conversation um with jamie i i am passionate about this sport i love every aspect of it i love track and field i love road racing i love trail racing um yeah i just love the fact that people go out there and do and collectively are a part of this sport. It's such a cool thing. Um, you know, I, I got a great run in on Monday and really enjoyed myself. I really, truly enjoyed, um, being out in the mountains, um, and climbing and, (laughs) and being out on my feet. So, um, I'm with you. I always am. I'm happy to answer any questions you have. My contacts are all in the show notes. So please reach out with whatever questions you have. Love having those conversations. Um, And uh, my next event will be in February. I am racing on February 17th at the Cabin Fever 50K. So I'll be in West Virginia. Uh, If you're racing, give me a shout. Come say hello. I love, like I said, love this community, love meeting people. Um, I'm so looking forward to racing in the New River Valley Gorge. I can't wait to be out there. So um, I hope your uh, your year has started off great. I hope your goals are um, you know coming along, that you're getting into the races that you want to get into. Uh, so I uh, just wish you the best, my friends. And if I can do anything, let me know. So from... The Running is Life podcast. Again, I'm Coach Aaron Saft, and my friends, keep moving forward.